Just like an actual toolbox, you need to have a variety of financial tools at your disposal so your retirement portfolio can handle any situation that comes your way. Scott Searles is a certified wealth strategist and the CEO of Skybox Asset Management. He can help you build a solid financial plan that will stand the test of time. This is the Retirement Toolbox Podcast. Time for another edition of the Retirement Toolbox. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Searles. Scott, what's going on with you this week? Ah, I'm just... Uh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going on. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I had to get you on that. What's going on? Ah. Uh, uh, well, it's because I just went to tr- get a sip of water, and I didn't think we were doing anything yet. I, I, I hit the guard. record button so fast on Scott that it took him by surprise. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm picking on you. No, uh, what, what, what's going on with this week besides uh? <laughs> well, I don't know if you've ever gone through it, done a remodeling at your house. Oh, or, yeah. Or, uh, I've got the scars to show it. <laughs> it's such an inconvenience and i'm having doing some work in the office here and having some remodeling done and you know people don't show up when they're supposed to and get stuff done and it starts to become a little uh a little stressful well that's not any fun i like uh you get contractors or somebody like that not showing up all of a sudden well no it's just that you know you're trying to work on these timelines here and then you know, people are like, I'm going to get to you here. And then, you know, like a week after that, yeah, I got to give them a call and figure out why they're not there yet. It's just, I try to do as much as I can myself, but there's certain things I just, you know, you have to, you have to have other people do. <laughs> that's where I run into problems. When you got to start farming that stuff out. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Tough. My big thing is when somebody comes to give me a quote and then they don't, you know, they don't give me the quote. Like they come out, you meet with them and then like you're waiting and you're waiting and you're not getting the quote. And you're like, all right, well, I'll go to the next person. And sometimes you never even get a quote back. And that always blows me away. I, I've had a few of those. I had a few of those that never got back to me. I also had a few that didn't want the job and just gave me outrageous numbers for the quote back. You know, where they, they didn't really they, want they the job. They didn't really want it. No. So all that's frustrating. Yeah, it's too bad. Well, good luck with the rest of the process. Hopefully it'll smooth out a little bit for you. And Yeah, and, and my wife wants to get some stuff done at home too, so I can't wait for that. There you go. Well, <laughs> and it's probably two different animals too, working on the house versus working on like an office setting. Two different, slightly different process, I guess, of figuring all that stuff out and what you can do and can't do and all that kind of thing. Exactly. And, you know, the thing with the house is she wants to have some work done in the kitchen. And uh, I could probably do it myself, but it would take me like forever. And we can't be without a kitchen for, you know, for that long. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) My timeline does not work very well with the kitchen. You're working on a dining room, a family room, the garage, a basement, any of those other, even a bedroom, you can relocate to another room and just kind of avoid that one spot. But the kitchen you got to work quick and that's hard because most kitchen stuff isn't quick, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And you can only microwave so many meals. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Well, good luck with all that. And uh, please report back to us later on. Let us know how the uh, renos go from here. But uh, we've got Perfect. a great show on tap for today. In a few moments, we're going to talk about debt and retirement planning. And can you do it? Can you have debt in retirement? What are the proper ways to view the conversation about debt and retirement planning happening at the same time? Or do you need to be completely out of it? We're going to dive into that conversation. Plus, we've got a really good question today on the mailbag from Helen. Helen's uh, got a military pension that's going to be in play in her family. And so they've got some questions about how they should kind of address 
that decision that they're going to have to face in the near future. So some good stuff on the way on today's show. But let's dive into our main conversation indeed about debt and retirement planning. Do you need to be completely debt free to be successful in retirement or is it okay to carry some balances? I think there's a lot of opinions, Scott, about the uh, how to handle debt when it comes to retirement planning. So we're going to kind of tackle all the angles on today's show. I wonder if we can, uh, I always kind of end the show asking you for examples of things, but maybe we'll flip it around today. Can you tell us about okay. a client of yours who was able to create substantial wealth? And one of the big reasons was indeed because they didn't have any debt to answer to. Yeah, I have, uh, well, I've got several clients that I can think of that have been very successful because they didn't have any debt. But I, I have a, a a married couple. They both worked for the uh, the Bell companies back in the day, and they've always you know saved and didn't carry any debt. And you know they just throughout the years they kept saving and saving and saving. They didn't accumulate any debt once they were you know accumulating that money. And by the time they came to retirement, I mean they had millions of dollars. Now having some of those Bell stocks in there too, you know that. You know, Ameritech and things like that. They they've all turned into AT and T, but you know that is an example where if you're not carrying the debt, you can actually you know, start to accumulate a lot of money. I think it's really kind of a cash flow question. This whole topic because whether you're working and you're trying to save and accumulate, or you're in retirement, it's all about cash flow. How much you have coming in and how much you have going out. Because if you have debt and you're paying credit card bills every month, that's gonna reduce the amount of cash flow you have to be able to save. And once you're in retirement, when you're starting to, you know, you're on a fixed income and you've got a certain portion of that money going to pay towards debt, it's going to either require you to live, you know, a less, uh, less of a lifestyle, you know, as far as financially, or it's going to require you to use more of your savings or investments in retirement to retire and live the lifestyle that you want. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. And uh, if you've got somebody who is debt-free, it just it equals freedom. We've seen that in uh, many ways before and talked about it here on the show. But I do know that there's this thing called good debt out there. Do you believe in such a thing? Is good debt? Is that really... Well, you know, there, back in the day, there used to be a little bit more good debt than there is now. You know, I, I'm a fan of when you're in retirement that you have as little or no debt at all. And, you know, some people may say, well, it's okay. You know, my investments are earning 10% a year and I can go get a loan and pay 4% on it. So, you know, why wouldn't I do that? first of all, you know, my crystal ball is busted. Unless you can find somebody that's got a crystal ball that works, you don't know you're necessarily always going to be earning, you know, in excess of that 4% every year on your investments. And that usually will require you to take a little bit more risk, which would mean those markets are going to drop. So I'm not a big fan of having debt, good debt, you know, people that, you know, a lot of companies, if you go and you buy some furniture or a car or something like that, and you've got 0% financing for, you know, 36 months, and you pay that off in 36 months, and, and your cash flow can support that, you know, that's something that is good debt. You basically are using someone else's money, you know, to finance that purchase and then paying for it out of, over time over cash, 
you know, using your cash flow as opposed to using your savings. That's a good debt. It used to be that you, you could write your mortgage off. Well, you still technically can, but you know, less people are doing it now because you have to, with the bigger, larger standard deductions, people are not itemizing like they used to. But a lot of people would have mortgages and then they would write off the interest on their mortgages, which would make that debt a little bit more attractive. But now, there's not a lot of good debt out there, and credit card debt is the worst. Yeah, so still is such a thing as good debt, but not enough out there, or at least not as much as it used to be. So it's kind of a, a good way to look at it, I suppose. Does somebody need to be debt-free in order to retire? I mean, just how much easier does that make the whole equation, whether it's good debt or bad debt? Yeah, it, it makes it much, much easier, because like I said, it's a cash flow question. An example would be, let's say, you and your spouse combined are getting $4,000 a month in Social Security. And if you have, let's just say, a, a budget, which included your mortgage of $5,000 a month, and your mortgage payment with taxes included is $1,500 a month, let's just say. Well, if you didn't have that mortgage in your retirement, you could live solely just on Social Security. But now, because you do have that mortgage, we have to get more cash from somewhere else. And you know that example is kind of a rosy example. That's not a bad situation, but it can get a lot, lot worse when you've got a bunch of credit card payments you need to make every month, when you have a mortgage payment. All of a sudden, we could be pulling out 100% or to 150% more than what you're receiving in social security or a pension or something like that, just to support that debt. So I prefer that we are debt-free in retirement because it makes that cash flow much easier and you don't have to start pulling money out of your investments or other savings in order to help to supplement that monthly cash flow. And then in return, your money is going to last a lot longer because you're not going to need to be pulling as much out on a monthly basis. Does that make sense, Walter? It does make sense. Since we started with a story, maybe we can bookend the conversation with the story as well. Scott, can you tell us about a time when you helped somebody put together a retirement plan and it also helped them get debt-free in the process to kind of make the whole thing easier? And you're making me do a lot of thinking today, Walter. <laughs> you're making you work those memory muscles. Right? Yeah, boy, boy. No, but this one's rather easy. You know, I had this just actually just a few weeks ago. I had a new client come in and they were about seven years away from retirement. So what we did is we first started with their budgeting. You know, like I've mentioned before several times on this podcast, we needed to know exactly how much that they are spending now and exactly, you know, where all of their money is going on a monthly basis. So what I did is I developed a plan where we not only pay down the debt every month, but then we also are still saving money because it's important to do both. You don't want to just pay down all the debt and then not save money because then retirement time comes, you have nothing to fall back on besides just your social security or, or whatever fixed income you'd have coming in. So we need to save and pay down that debt. So I developed a plan that over those next seven years to when they get to their retirement, we would have eliminated all their debt and we still are going to be saving money in their 401ks and their, and their retirement plans, as well as some building a little bit more of a nest egg 
too outside of retire out of those retirement accounts so then if the roof blows off the house in retirement or whatever they can just run and grab some money i i think what a lot of people ask me too well i've got these credit cards i got all these interest rates on all these different credit cards i got this mortgage you know which one should i pay off first one of the things i kind of like to do is we kind of rank the debts from the smallest to the largest and then we kind of allocate a monthly amount that we're going to use to pay down debt. And I like to pay off the smaller ones first. And we want to pay the higher interest rates of the smaller ones first. But we want to start paying off the smaller ones first because it kind of gives you a sense of accomplishment when you start paying off these debts. And it makes it much easier to continue to go forward paying them down. If you're going to, let's just say hypothetically, take... A thousand dollars a month to pay off debt. Well, you just start that thousand dollars. You start with that smallest card, the smallest debt. You still pay the minimums on all the others, but you start to kind of have that snowball effect where before you know it, you're paying. You know, you don't have those other monthly minimum payments on those cards. So when you're to the last one, you're putting that whole thousand dollars every month towards that card, and it just pays everything off and gives you a, a little bit better sense of accomplishment. So, you know, that's what I suggested that they did. And, you know, it, it's going to get them to that point where they're going to be debt free when they get to retirement. It's fantastic. And uh, yeah, follows all sorts of good principles for getting out of debt and retirement planning at the same time. And a lot of people in today's world, I think, face that scenario, Scott, with maybe they've still got some student loans that they took out for kids that are maybe still on the ledger or just all sorts of different reasons for why people have you know gone into some sort of debt right before retirement or are still working to get out of it from something in the working years. So you're, you're not alone if you're in that situation. And it's not an anomaly that somebody has done a great job saving for retirement, but at the same time accumulated some debt under their, under their umbrella as well. Well, you know, one thing too that we need to also consider that I didn't mention and that I did with them is we have to do a retirement income projection. We need to kind of project how much they're going to need for their retirement so we can make sure that we're also saving enough for them to, when they do get to retirement, that they're going to be retired and have the lifestyle they want. So it's a little bit of a tricky balance between getting rid of that debt and saving enough. So yeah, I think that's an important factor too. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very important. So if you need any help in this conversation as we talk about debt and retirement planning, whether it be one or both of those pieces of conversation, I think it would be wise to reach out to Scott, get some guidance on these kinds of things, obviously. 888-742-0111 if you've got any questions about what we've talked about. 888-742-0111. And you can also go online to skyboxasset.com, listen to past episodes of the show there, check out other great information, and pick up your tax-free retirement toolkit a physical box that Scott will send to you that's packed with lots of great information about planning for retirement and how to live a tax-free retirement as well. It's a free resource, kind of as a thank you for listening to the podcast. Check out the Tax-Free Retirement Toolkit online at skyboxasset.com, and we'll put a link to that in the description of today's show as well. Well, it's time to get to know Scott a little bit better away from the financial world as it's getting to know you time. <music> It's getting to know you time. All right, I got a fun question for you this week, Scott. Uh, it's like one of those ones you used to get asked when you were a kid. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? 
Or maybe it's a job interview type question. <laughs> well, so 10 years from now, I'm going to be 58 years old and I will still have a daughter in college, but at the same time, I'm probably going to be a grandparent. Oh, all right. So you'll have a lot of things happening uh, in 10 years. I, I mean, uh, who knows? I mean, my my older twin daughters are 20. So, I mean, that would put them at 30. So, I mean, there's a pretty good chance that that happens. And then, like I said, my youngest daughter's 10 now. So she'll be in college at that point in time. So and definitely I'll still be working because of that. Uh, <laughs> and I won't be close to retiring yet. So I'll be working. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to have some time to maybe do some more travel you know, with my wife. And I'd like to spend a lot more time with my wife and, and with my, my family and, and going to visit the kids and doing all that stuff 10 years from now. So that's kind of what I, I see myself doing and, and kind of see my life like that. Well, I kind of like that. That's going to be a fun age for you. I mean, I think you're going to have so much, so many fun things going on uh, that it's going to keep you busy, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, having that age gap with my kids, you know, I get in that situation where, you know, I'm going to have somebody in college and, and, you know, my other kids are going to be 30 years old. So that's going to be a little fun uh, time period, I think, for your family. That's going to be pretty neat to uh, to be able to experience and kind of neat also being that uh, we're here at the start of a new decade. So you can really evaluate this question really well. It's like, what will the 2020s look like for Scott? And then when you hit 2030, what's the, what's that going to bring in life? So. Yeah, a lot of good things on the horizon. That lot to be excited about. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, you know what? I I mean, I'm I'm very blessed, and and you know, I've got a great life now, and and ten years from now, I, I certainly see it even being better. Absolutely, very cool. Well, there you go. Getting to know Scott a little bit better on today's show. Now we get to know you with a question on the mailbag. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. So if you want to submit a question to be featured on a future show, you can do that by going to skyboxasset.com and using the contact button there. Today's question comes to us from Helen, and uh, it's got a couple of, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a longer question, not super long, but here you go. My husband's military pension is a very nice monthly benefit, but after he passes away, I don't get a penny. In retrospect, this was a mistake, but it's nothing we can change now. How do we address the problem moving forward? Tough situation for Helen, it sounds like. Yeah, it, you know what? And unfortunately, you know, I run into this uh, often. And Helen, I'm glad you you emailed into the show because I wanted this to kind of be a warning shot for everybody out there is that when you are, if you have a pension, no matter what it is, before you select how you want that pension, receive that pension, you should talk to somebody and go over what all the different options are. A lot of the times with pensions, you can do 50%. You're going to take a little bit of a reduced benefit, but then your spouse will get 50%. You might even take more of a reduced benefit, but your spouse will get 100%. So you need to think all this through and, and look at, at what your situation is to make sure you initially make that right decision. Well, Helen, now that I'm done picking on you, I will help you with your question. So a lot of the times when I run into situations like this and we kind of go through the plan, obviously I don't know how much investment you have or different things like that, but we need to fill that gap with the income. 
So usually what we'll do is, is we use some of the, the investments to be able to, to supplement that gap, or if there's not enough there, then we need to start looking at other options. And one of the common options we look at are life insurance. I know there's a bunch of people probably driving their cars out there listening to this podcast, rolling their eyes right now. But, you know, life insurance is very, very valuable in a situation like this because we need to figure out how much life insurance we would need so that when your husband would pass away, you would receive that tax-free death benefit, and then we can invest that and start using that for your income and retirement. So that is usually the most common way that we're able to fill that gap if there is not an exorbitant amount of investments and savings available for us to do that. You want to get some permanent life insurance that we could then use to help generate that income for you. Now, if for some reason your your husband would not be insurable, then it starts getting a little bit more tricky. But the most common is definitely looking at that life insurance to fill that gap. There's always a way, isn't there, Scott? I mean, <laughs> there's always a solution. It, you don't seem to balk at any of these questions that ever get thrown at you. It's like, well, you're hopeless. Sorry. Take care. There's always something that can be done to help somebody's situation and solve the problem. I love it. Well, you know what? You know, there there's always ways to help people. And that's what I love about my job. Unfortunately, sometimes in some situations, I don't always tell everybody what they want to hear. But, you know, there's definitely usually ways that we can make improvements. It may not be all the way to 100% perfect, but we can definitely help almost everybody in their situation, you know, get themselves on, on a better track than they're on now. That's a great point and uh, well taken on today's show. So thank you for the question, Helen. Again, if you have any questions for Scott, we don't have to feature them on the show. You can have a conversation with Scott one-on-one by calling 888-742-0111, 888-742-0111, or go to talktoscott.com. That's talktoscott.com, and you can certainly schedule a time to meet with Scott right there from your smartphone or computer. Very easy to schedule that. Talktoscott.com, the place to go. If you have any questions or need some help when it comes to financial and retirement planning, it's what Scott specializes in, and he can help make sure that you've got a proper plan in place to have a successful retirement future. Talktoscott.com, your place to go. And we'll put links to all the resources we mentioned on today's show in the description of the program. So whatever app you're using, look for the show notes or description section, and you will find all those necessary links that'll lead you to the right places for the toolkit, to schedule a meeting with Scott and the phone number and all that good stuff as well. Scott, thanks for another great show today, and uh, we look forward to another good podcast with you around the corner. Absolutely, Walter. I can't wait. We really appreciate it. That is Scott Searles. This is the Retirement Toolbox. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you soon on the next podcast. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.